0: Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Dr. Craig Lauder of Axiota Animal Health. So trace minerals are essential nutrients required for numerous functions in the body of a cow, especially during the transition period. While forages and grains contain some trace minerals, additional supplementation for cows is generally required, and this is the topic of our conversation today. So thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Lauder. Let's start off by having you introduce yourself and giving us some of your background.
1: First off, thank you, Annie, for having me on here. It's a great opportunity to be able to, to reach out to your audience and be able to participate in this podcast, be able to... To share more about trace minerals and dairy cows. Uh, I'm a 2012 graduate from Washington State University College of Veterinary Medicine. I received my DVM up there. Uh, upon completion of my degree, I started practicing in southern Idaho. The practice area was around the Magic Valley, which is sort of the dairy hub of the state of Idaho. we the third largest dairy state in the country. Uh, from there, I was able to to go ahead and, and join this practice, our practice consisted of, of about 75% dairy, 25% beef, and so it was a completely cattle practice that allowed me a, a great opportunity to be on some big commercial dairies out here in the west, and to be able to to learn a lot about cattle uh, health as as well as nutrition. As I was able to to progress in my practice career, I was uh, interacting with MultiMin USA at the time, the supplier of an injectable source of trace minerals. And as I was uh, becoming more and more involved with them, it really helped change my focus towards trace minerals and the importance of trace minerals in cattle health. And so a lot of times we think of these minerals as being uh, part of the nutrition side, which they are, but they play a major role in making sure that these animals are healthy. And so as a veterinarian, that helped shift my mindset from a bugs and drugs mentality over to what else is these animals needing to make sure that they're healthy and, and able to produce and to be able to perform the way that we want them to genetically.
0: So you mentioned trace minerals are helping cows stay healthy, but can we dig a little further into that and really what are trace minerals and why are they important for cows?
1: So trace minerals are part of our bigger uh, scope of nutrients that are needed. And so if we start to look at the nutrients that that cattle need, there's really five basic nutrients that, that are required. We need water, which a lot of times we we know that cows need water, but we overlook it as being an essential nutrient. From there, we're going to need energy. We have to have that energy to be able to produce milk. We have to have protein to produce milk. There's a lot of, of sugar in milk, the lactose that's there. There's a lot of fat in there that's also energy. There's a lot of protein. Those are some of the nutrients that we we as people uh, receive when we're consuming milk is uh, on a daily basis. But then we have some micronutrients that are there as well, the minerals and then the vitamins. And so on our minerals, they are further broken down into two different categories. We've got our our macro minerals and our micro minerals. And so macro minerals are or our calcium, our phosphorus, our magnesium, a lot of times we're going to think of those as, as being the electrolytes that those cows need for cellular function, for bone uh, strength. Those are the, the minerals there. And then the micro minerals are the ones that are needed in much smaller quantities. And so those are going to be the minerals such as copper, selenium, zinc, iodine, uh, cobalt, manganese. Those are uh, some of the, the essential trace minerals that we need and so when we look at them it's not necessarily the size of the mineral that makes it a macro mineral or a micro mineral it's the quantity that's needed and so as we look at the ration on dairies we're generally feeding a, a total mixed ration and so the the macro minerals in that ration would be going in by the buckets full that's how the quantity that would be needed we're going to measure those by the percent on our micro minerals on the other hand we're going to be putting those in by the, either the tablespoon or even the teaspoonful and so for an example, if we was to make up a 5,000 pound ration of, uh, for a lactating cow herd, our potassium, which is going to be the macro mineral, the big mineral that's needed at the highest quantity is going to go in at about 0.6% of that ration. So that's going to be about 30 pounds of potassium into that ration on the flip side. If we look at, at copper at 10 parts per million, going into that ration, that's going to be about one of a pound. So less than an ounce of copper going into that 5,000 pound mix which would be about four tablespoons of copper sulfate to supply that that 20th of a uh, pound of, of copper. So they go in, in much, much smaller quantities, but they play a major role within the body. And so within the body, they have about four major components that they're going to gonna play a role in. So structural, so we think about the, the skin, uh, the strength of skin, bone, connective tissue. We've got a physiologic property, so it's going to help that osmotic gradient that's going to... Uh, direct the the flow of water within and out of the cell we've got regulatory so within our body we've got to have cells that are dividing we've got to have some of those cells that are dying off and so so our trace minerals play a role in that and then the one that we generally think of that has the most uh, importance uh, from our trace minerals is going to be the catalytic and so the trace minerals become the activators for some of those enzymes and, and molecules within the body to get a response and so even though they go into that ration within a very very small amount they play a major impact on the over health, overall health and performance of our dairy cows.
0: So what are some of the common trace mineral deficiencies that are occurring in dairy herds today?
1: So within our dairy herds, we really have seven trace minerals that are going to be considered essential. So we have iron, which is going to be uh, the, most eva- uh, the most abundant trace mineral in the body. It plays a major role in in uh, oxygen transport and hemoglobin production. We have iodine, which is going to play a major role in in our cellular metabolism or in our metabolism, uh, especially with our uh, thyroid hormones, we have cobalt, which is going to have an impact on vitamin B12 production, primarily by the the bacteria that are within the rumen. And then the next four are our copper, our zinc, our selenium, and manganese. Those are the four that we generally are most concerned about, perhaps having deficiencies from. However, as we go around, as I've had the opportunity to do liver biopsies on on dairy cattle across the country, generally zinc and manganese are going to be the two that are, are most frequently coming up, probably towards the short end of, of where we need to be. In 2021, our NRC re- nutrient requirements for da- dairy cattle were updated. Uh, so now it's no longer NRC, but it's nascent. And as we look at those, it was our manganese and our zinc that had the highest increases in our, in our recommended uh, inclusion rates in those rations. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with the fact that that I'm not the only one that have been seeing some of those, those uh, shortfalls as far as zinc and manganese. And so there have been moves taken to be able to try and correct that to make sure that we have adequate amounts of trace minerals going into those rations uh, from here moving forward.
0: You talked earlier about administering trace minerals often through TMR. Are there other ways that cows can be ingesting these minerals?
1: So our oral mineral supplements is going to be the most common and it's going to be the most important way of supplementing these cattle. We have to make sure that we have those minerals in the feed. As, as you mentioned in the introduction, a lot of times our, our forages and grains have some trace minerals, but even though they're required in very small amounts, it's usually not enough in those feedstuffs to be able to, to meet the requirements. And so we have to supplement them. And so we do that by uh, most generally by putting it into the feed. We add a, a mineral pack into the feed. However, as we look at trace mineral supplementation through an oral pack, there's really four hurdles that we have to be able to overcome. The first is going to be intakes. We overcome a lot of that by making sure that we have it mixed into the TMR. We're not just putting a trace mineral pack out there in a tub and expecting cows to go over and consume it on, a, on their own. Uh, no, and part of the reason why we do that is because we know that sodium chloride, white salt, is really about the only uh, mineral. That a cow can recognize that she's low on and go over and and consume to satisfy her her needs and so when we look at some of these loose minerals that that a lot of times the beef guys use it's that white salt that we're using to to drive that intake and so uh and dairy cows we're putting it the minerals just into the feed so a lot of times we can overcome that intake hurdle however there's certain times of the year such as around calving transition times when we're shifting from from the far off uh, dry cow diet to that close-up Uh, diet a lot of times we're adding some decad salts to try and help to to prevent milk fever that has a lot of sulfur in it a lot of times we know that sulfur is bitter so that's going to further suppress those intakes and so even though we're mixing uh, these minerals into the feed there's still different times of the year where our intakes are going to be off now another hurdle that we have to overcome is going to be antagonism and so i mentioned sulfur when we consume these trace minerals they're going to go into the rumen in there, depending on what the pH level is, depending on what the moisture content is, depending on what the the forage content is in the rumen and that big uh, fermentation vat, that's going to allow some of those minerals to separate. All of these minerals are going in in the form of a salt. They're taking a a buddy to the dance party. And so once they do that, they become exposed to other trace minerals that are within the in the rumen at the same time. So sulfur, that mineral that I talked about in that decad diet, is one of our primary antagonists. Really, we think of it as that's the homecoming queen that's going to prom by itself. And so when these other trace minerals see that sulfur, it's going to bind up to that and it's going to form a very stable uh, bond that's now going to make it unavailable for that trace mineral to be utilized by by the cow further down, downstream, where they're going to get absorbed into small intestines. And so other antagonists that we have to deal with is iron, uh, zinc and copper can antagonize each other, calcium can anta- be an antagonist to selenium, we have molybdenum that can be an antagonist to copper. And so as we talk about some of these antagonists, one thing to realize is that all of them are still required by the cow, but we have to make sure that they're going in in the correct amounts and the correct quantities to make sure that we're not getting that antagonistic effect. Now we talked a little bit about absorption down in the small intestine. So that's going to be our next hurdle that we have to overcome. And so once we get out of the rumen, we still have to be able to travel uh, through some more of the digestive tract, get that small intestine. And so in the first four feet is where about 90% of our trace minerals are going to be absorbed. One of the hurdles that we have to, to deal with on absorption is that our oral trace minerals really have poor uh, absorption coefficients down in the small intestines. And so manganese is going to get absorbed at about 1% of what's uh, in the diet. Our copper is going to be absorbed at about 5%. Zinc is going to be about 15 to 20%. And so those are the absorption coefficients that, it, that is our, provide our baseline, which is Uh, from an inorganic source or our sulfate form of those salts. And so there are other forms of oral salts that we can use to uh, supplement these cows, such as organic or hydroxy. Those are some of our newer uh, forms of these salts and minerals that we utilize. They have a much higher bioavailability. And so when we talk about bioavailability, what we're doing is we're comparing those minerals absorption compared to that sulfate. So with something like a, a copper amino acid complex we may have a bioavailability of 130 to 140% of that copper sulfate. So that means instead of getting 5% absorbed, we're going to be up to about 6.5% to 7% absorbed. So you still see that we still have a high amount that's going to pass through and hit our fourth hurdle, which is excretion. And so we're going to have a lot of these minerals that still come out the back end. That doesn't mean that we just go ahead and eliminate it because most of it's becoming fertilizer because we are still getting benefit there. But one of the major hurdles that we have to deal with when we're looking at these four major hurdles is how long it's going to take to be able to replenish a cow that's uh, deficient on these trace minerals by trying to overcome these hurdles in particular. And so university of studies have demonstrated that it's going to take anywhere from about a month to six weeks to be able to replenish a cow's trace mineral status if she's deficient. A lot of times when we're looking at some of the management practices and the times when we need these trace minerals, we don't have that amount of time to wait. And so that's where another uh, source of, of supplementation of these trace minerals comes into play, and that's utilizing injectable trace minerals. So by utilizing uh, the technology that, that accompanies these injectable trace minerals, we can go ahead and give a, a shot of trace minerals to the cow under the skin, and within a matter of about 8 to 10 hours, those levels are going to go ahead and peek into the bloodstream. From there, we can go ahead and the cow is going to uh, – push those trace minerals into the different enzymes, the different structures that have an immediate requirement for those trace minerals, and any that's left over will be stored into the liver, and so we see the the liver amounts increasing within about 24 hours, and so from there, in the future moving forward, we still have some supplies there, so with the injectable, we utilize it in conjunction with our oral supplement program. We're going to go ahead and drive those levels up with the injectable, and then we're going to maintain it moving forward with the oral supplement.
0: Thank you for that explanation. I think that really set the stage and the scene for this conversation today. So you talked a lot about the benefits of using um, injectable trace minerals and obviously um, when they're consumed within that TMR ration. So I want to back up a little bit um, as you were mentioning fresh cows. So what happens to trace mineral levels before freshening that an additional supplement is needed?
1: It's a great question. So one of the things that we often associate with milk is actually mineral. One of the reasons why we drink uh, milk is because it's a great source of calcium, it's a great source of phosphorus, it's a great source of magnesium. And so those are all our macro minerals and so while milk is a great source of those macro minerals, it's a very poor source of micro minerals. Well, mother nature knew that and that milk is being produced to feed the baby. And so as mother nature in all her wisdom knew that that the baby was still going to have that requirement for trace minerals and that she wasn't going to be putting it into the milk. There had to be another way of getting those minerals into the calf before it was born and so the there's a very efficient way of doing that through the umbilical cord into the calf and so that umbilical cord the umbilical vein in particular carries that nutrient-rich blood and it is attached directly to the liver and so mom is going to be able to take those minerals in her own stores uh, that she's getting through the feed that she has in her liver She's going to mobilize them into the blood and she's going to put them into the calf's liver to be able to be uh, stored and utilized after the calf is born. So what that does, that means that the calf, when it's born, is going to have mineral levels about two to five times higher for something like selenium. That's going to be anywhere from 12 to 15 times higher in, in copper compared to its dam. But as a result, because that cow is putting all of those traced minerals into the calf uh, prior to birth, when the cow calves, that's going to decrease her mineral supplies by about 30%. And so now as we freshen, we're going into that transition period where we're really going to have the highest uh, need and highest demand for those trace minerals. We're getting to a point where that cow is going to be at her very lowest point as far as her trace mineral stores goes for that lactation period. And so that's where the injectable trace minerals come into play is that now we can go ahead and inject those cows at these time periods where we know there's a higher demand and they're, they're going to be lower and to be able to build them up much quicker And what that four to six week period would be if we was to only rely on the oral supplement program.
0: So we've established that cows in a transition period are great candidates for receiving trace minerals via injection. I'm wondering if there is a benefit to administering trace minerals, either to calves or heifers, or what about lactating cows?
1: Absolutely. And so just like with our cows, we talked about some of the need, those calves have have a high need too. In fact, they have a higher need and that's why those cows are going to uh, do everything they can to supplement and have those calves at, at high levels prior to birth. And so as we start to look at the calf, one of the areas where trace minerals are, are highly needed is in that immune system. When a calf is born, it has a fully functioning immune system. It's naive. It hasn't been exposed to a lot of pathogens. And so as a result, every time it, it comes across a new pathogen, it's a new experience for it. It's trying to uh, to create new antibodies to protect against that. Well, that antibody production requires a lot of trace minerals. And so we have to have those trace minerals there. We have to have those trace minerals there to fuel the immune system. And so as a result, we have to make sure that those calves have those those trace minerals there. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is that because those calves uh, receive so many from their dam, a lot of times we can look, is it safe to give an injectable trace mineral at birth? Absolutely. But if we take care of that cow, we can go ahead and get a lot of those trace minerals into the calf uh, before the calf is born. And then we look at where we're going to be given those vaccines later on through that calf's life the development stage. And so a lot of times on dairy calves, we're going to start giving vaccines somewhere in that 30 to 45 days of age. And so those vaccines are going to have a high demand for those trace minerals as well. Just like a natural immune response, we have to have those trace minerals to respond to the vaccine. And so when we do that, we've uh, seen in university studies that we get a much higher vaccination response when we supplement those trace minerals. A vaccine is simply a recipe to produce the antibodies against that antigen. And so just like recipes that we're familiar with, we can have the very best chocolate cake recipe in the world. But if we take that recipe and give it to a a chef, if we don't provide the the flour, the sugar, the eggs, the oil, that chef is never going to be able to to make that, that chocolate cake for us. And so it's the same way with our vaccines. We can have the very best vaccines in the world, and we have great vaccines available out there. There's great companies that make great vaccines. But if we don't provide the, the protein, the energy and the trace minerals, we are not going to be able to get the, the response out of that vaccine. So, so supplementing these calves with trace minerals at the same time a vaccine is, is very important. With our heifers, as we're uh, getting ready to breed them, a lot of times we're given vaccines, we may have been trying to to cut back a little bit on, on some of the, the ration to keep it a little bit cheaper. And so we know that those trace minerals are going to be needed to proper reproductive efficiency and so we go ahead and we we make sure that we're getting those uh, trace minerals on board before we try and start breeding the the heifers now once we get into lactating cows usually their demand for trace minerals has pretty well been met they're hopefully not going to have large stressful events but we do know that in the face of uh, heat stress there's going to be a higher utilization of these trace minerals and then another disease that often uh, we're all familiar with in the dairy industry that has a, a huge uh, drawdown on trace minerals is on mastitis. And so our higher somatic cell count cows, those somatic cells, those white blood cells that are fighting off that infection have a high utilization of trace minerals. And so by supplementing those cows, we can see a, a reduction in those somatic cells. We can have benefits on milk quality moving forward without having to simply rely on antibiotics. We get that, that uh, boost from supporting the, the cow's own immune system and allowing her to fight off some of those infections that she may face during lactation.
0: There are clearly many benefits across the farm in all ages of cattle, but I'm wondering, what are some of the potential risks to using an injectable trace mineral, and how can they be mitigated?
1: So one of the things with trace minerals is that that even though they're required in very small amounts, there is the risk for toxicity, and so it's not something that we want to just go out and, and use and think, well, if a little is good, a lot must be better. We're going to turn this trace mineral into a macro mineral by the amount that we're supplementing because we can create toxicity issues there. When we use an injectable trace mineral, what we want to do is we want to target those time periods where we know there's going to be a higher demand. And so we know there's going to be a higher demand around calving. We're going to have that drop off. There's nothing that we can do to avoid that drop off. And so we want to target some of those time periods like that. We know there's going to be a higher demand when a cow is sick. She's utilized some of those trace minerals. We may Go ahead, and so in the case of, of mastitis, we're going to help her overcome that, build her trace minerals back up quickly after she's uh, depleted some of those. On vaccination events on calves, we know that there's going to be a, a utilization of those trace minerals as we're trying to to respond to that vaccine. So making sure that we're we're recognizing where those high utilization time points are and focusing there, that is where we're going to be safe to to use an injectable trace mineral to simply boost those levels back up. And to be able to then maintain it with the oral. So we're playing, like I said, we don't want to take the the month to six weeks to play catch up. We want to do it now with the injectable and then maintain moving forward with our oral program.
0: Absolutely. Can you discuss any recent developments or advancements in the field of injectable trace minerals and what implications they may have on the industry moving forward?
1: So I think one of the biggest things is that the realization that there's an absolute use for these injectable trace minerals in, in our dairy industry. Historically, uh, our injectable trace minerals. So we've had just a few products commercially available. Uh, historically, we've had uh, Mucy and Bosi both which contain uh, a combination of of selenium and vitamin E, and then the multi min that came about about a dozen years ago. And so those have been our primary sources of of injectable trace minerals. But I think that historically they've probably been considered more of a beef product. That we know that we're not getting the the consistent intakes on the on our beef cows, like what we do on our dairy cows, because we're generally not feeding in the TMR. We're asking them to go out to that loose mineral pack and to be able to, to eat the minerals there. And so we've often thought, well, we're getting enough minerals through the feed for for our dairy cows. Studies from Cornell, from uh, University of Georgia, uh, University of Illinois, some of these other uh, universities have shown that there's very much an application on our dairy cows. It's just that we need to think about where it is that they're needed. So as as we've gone through today, we've discussed a number of areas where those are applicable around calving, uh, vaccination time periods in the case of, of high somatic cells. And so those are areas where we can go ahead and utilize this to help to move ourselves forward. One of the strong implications this is going to have as we look at our uh, industry as a whole is that here uh, in June this year, we've had a change on on the antibiotic requirements where we have to, to have a veterinary prescription for all antibiotics. There's no longer any over the counter moving forward. That's probably going to get more and more stringent. And so we're going to have to come up with other ways of being able to treat some of these diseases to be able to, to maintain the health of these cattle. And so just like in my career, how I had that shift from a bugs and drugs mentality to what else do I need to, to support the health of this cow trace minerals play a major role there to be able to, to fulfill that gap.
0: Absolutely. So Let's say we have a dairy farmer who's considering incorporating an injectable trace mineral into their herd management practices. How are they able to really determine what that ROI is?
1: So one of the biggest things that we have to understand what the cost of disease is. And so a lot of times when we look at some of the economic standpoints and economic parameters of a dairy, we don't consider all the costs that are associated with it. And so if we look at some of the disease incidents that are going to impact dairy, we have mastitis. We know that mastitis is going to be a, a, a major uh, economic drain on the dairy, but sometimes we don't realize how much. And so uh, the literature reports that a, a case of mastitis in the first 30 days of lactation is going to cost us about $444 per case. A dose or a case of metritis, so we get those uterine infections, is going to be over $500 a case. A retained placenta, if those cows don't don't clean out quickly after birth. It's going to cost over three hundred dollars a case. But perhaps one of the uh, bigger costs that a lot of times we probably don't fully uh, uh, take into account all of the costs associated with it would be a, a DOA, and so a stillborn calf is going to cost over nine hundred dollars per case. And so these are all major major financial hits on that dairy. By the time you have the cost of treatment, the the cost of cooling some of those cows, the cost of of uh, medication to treat them. Those all become major costs that are associated there. And so when we start to look at a, a dose of multi men that's gonna be just over 50 cents a CC on a Holstein cow, we're gonna give her about seven CC. So we're looking at, at about three and a half dollars a dose, we can see that that it doesn't take a whole lot of reduction in some of those disease instances to be able to, to have a major ROI for that investment, to make sure that, that cow has what she needs and to be able to uh, prevent some of those diseases, some of those costly diseases. That we all deal with on our dairies.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a, a great way to look at it, um, especially on working on being proactive compared to reactive. Um, and as you said, diseases are costly. So we're we're now at the end of our conversation. And before we go ahead and wrap up, I wanted to ask a question that I've actually been asking all of our interview guests here on the Dairy Intelligent Podcast. What does
1: an animal-centered environment mean to you? To me, an animal-centered environment means that we're we're taking into account what the animal actually needs. And so too often we want to try and make the, the animal fit into our environment, into our schedule. So we we try and uh, make sure that we're able to, to raise calves on a 40-hour week, an eight-to-five schedule where we come in and we can feed them a couple times a day and move forward. We try and make sure that, that you know, we get our milking done and so we can uh, get out of there, that we get our feeding done and get out of there without taking the time to really sit down and focus on what's best for the animal. The, you know, the good book talks about how uh, we were given dominion over the, the creatures of the earth. And I, I feel strongly that we are. But as part of that, we have to make sure that we take care of them. We're given a stewardship to, to watch over them and, and make sure that they, are, they have the things that they need. And so by making sure that the animals have an environment where they're able to thrive and to be able to, to do what they were, were meant to do, in the long run, that's going to benefit us. And so the more that we can help those animals be in their natural environment, to be able to, to help them to uh, to meet their genetic potential, to d- reduce the amount of stress, to make sure that they have comfortable housing, comfortable uh, spot to lay down, good feed to eat, making sure that they have the nutrients they require, including that that energy, that protein, those those um, micronutrients, the, the vitamins and minerals. That is when we're going to have an animal-centered environment that's going to allow those animals to thrive. And in the end benefit us as the the caretakers of those animals.
0: That was really well said and I think a really good way just to end this conversation. So thank you again so much Dr. Lauder for your time and your insights. As dairy producers look for new ways to improve the performance of their herd, an injectable trace mineral can provide a simple and effective way to ensure that cows are receiving the minerals that their body requires at the time that they need it most. So thank you again so much to everyone who listened in, and we will see you in our next episode. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm, or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us.
1: We would love to have them listen and learn.